0: well, what could I do to accompany the traditional medicine that might support my daughter, Elizabeth, better? A mm-hmm. um, friend of mine was doing a technique called Same. And luckily, when she told me about it, that very night, they had an open night at the learning, you know, the teaching center, and I went there. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't hate a moment. I went there and I never looked back. I mean, it was so incredible when I went to that space. I had this like inner knowing that I felt, Like I was home and I felt enveloped in love in the room. And I was like, what is this? You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I, I, I just, you know, I was lucky enough that they offered this twice a week, every week. So I just went back and back and back with my daughter.
1: Welcome to the first live episode of the Share Your Stories podcast. This is a podcast experience where we get to explore humanity one heart at a time. I am your host, Jenny Dilts, and a grief coach who specializes in life. I am the founder of Grieving Coach and help people to convert grief into power. If you feel inclined to make a donation to keep events like these going, you can f- donate to PayPal, and I will put the link in the notes afterwards. Joining us this time is Katie Fasiano, who is a seimei healer and warrior. She discovered seimei three years after her infant daughter was diagnosed with a rare stage for brain tumor. Katie began learning the healing shortly afterwards. Some of the benefits of Seimei for her daughter include reduction in anxiety and a decrease in pain. In this episode, we will learn more about Seimei and Katie's warrior journey through the life, death, and grief aspects of pediatric cancer. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show and being willing to share your story with us. Thank
0: you so much for having me, Jennifer. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. I'm delighted to be here.
1: So your daughter was quite young when you got the diagnosis of the rare stage four brain tumor. Tell us what that was like for you. Oh, it was extremely
0: rough. I uh, when was going off to work one morning. Uh, the babysitter was with my 13-month-old, and she was eating totally fine in the high chair. And an hour later, the babysitter said she took a fall, but it wasn't serious, it seemed. So she put her for a nap. But only a couple hours later, she woke up, she had, you know, gotten sick in the, in the crib. And so that's when it was like, okay, my little baby, you never really threw up in her life. So I was worried and I rushed home and rushed over to the pediatrician. And next thing I know, they had an ambulance sending me off to the hospital with, with my baby. And, um, within the first hour of the hospital, they said, well, we think your daughter has a brain tumor. and a neurosurgeon walks in, shakes my hand. I'm your daughter's neurosurgeon and um, emergency MRI followed by an emergency surgery all in one day. So there was a very fast consult from the surgeon to, uh, to me. And the, the surgeon said it was only a 50, 50 chance that she'd make it out of surgery alive. So my reaction was, I I was just really, really emotional. I was, you know, heaving and crying and, they actually got me a wheelchair so that I have more stability for, mm-hmm. for, you know, like this was my first child and only child at the time. I'm, I'm blessed with three children, uh, but being it was my first and only, it was like, what do you mean? I might not have my baby later today. Like she was fine in the high chair earlier today. How could this be?
1: Yeah, that must have been super, super scary yeah scary uh traumatic
0: uh (laughs) um just you know heart-wrenching heart-wrenching would be Mm -hmm.
1: word. yeah i can only imagine they wow (laughs) but
0: you know it's a journey it's a journey (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: so you said that one of the things that helped her was semi-healing how did you first learn about that
0: uh, yes. Well, um, there's a little bit more of her story. I'll, I'll fill in. Um, she had, a, she was diagnosed with that stage four brain tumor after that first surgery, she had battled it mm-hmm. at her age and went into remission, but it came back at two years old. She battled again. This time she got into remission again for two and a half years, but at six years old, she was just starting first grade. It came back again and at this point, doctors really painted a poor picture of, of, of really, you know, didn't sound like we'd have her much longer at all.
1: Mm, mm -hmm. Um,
0: and that's what helped shift my thinking and say, well, what could I do to accompany the traditional medicine that might support my daughter, Elizabeth better? Mm -hmm. Um, friend of mine was doing a technique called seaming. And luckily when she told me about it, that very night they had an open night at the learning, you know, the teaching center. And I went there. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't hate a moment. I went there and I never looked back. I mean, it was so incredible when I went to that space, I had this like inner knowing that I felt like I was home and I felt enveloped in love in the room. And I was like, what is this? You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I, I, I just, You know, I was lucky enough that they offered this twice a week, every week. So I just went back and back and back with my daughter. And a few weeks in, they said, oh, how about this time? We'll focus on helping her to walk and run better. I said, that's great. Um, She had her very first surgery had left her hemiplegic paralyzed on half her body and uh-huh. through occupational and, and physical therapy, she did get back to running and walking, but it was not a fluid walk. Like most of us take for granted. Right. Walk. So there was certainly um, uh, something to work with, let's say.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So they gave her a session of same and they said, okay, Elizabeth, go run around the room. I choked up with tears of joy. Because it was the most beautiful she'd ever walk or run in her entire life. And it was like right there, I said, okay, not only am I bringing her, but now I want to learn this. I want to learn it as soon as possible because mm-hmm. if it does this for my daughter, what else could it do?
1: Yeah. yeah. That's so amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so <laughs> amazing. So, what was it like to see that miracle as it was happening? uh, inspiring. I mean, and,
0: and, you know, I was, uh, the prior years, a tax accountant in corporate America. So this was just totally completely out of my head, but it blew me away so much that it, it shifted again, my head to be like, Oh, I've got to learn this. Like now, <laughs> like right now, <laughs> as soon as possible. Next class uh-huh. with, I'm signing up. And that's what I did. You know, two months later was the next class I could take. And I've been learning ever since. It's been nine years now that I'm doing Uh this. And um, I've had the pleasure of studying both in the U.S. and also in Japan. So I've made uh, six trips to Japan so far. Oh, that's cool. Such an amazing thing to be able to get to Japan and learn from some of the teachers over there to support all the education I do every single year here in America as Uh well.
1: Wow. So you mentioned that you were in corporate. Are you in corporate anymore? Or are you completely no. same? I'm completely same. I had left corporate
0: during Elizabeth's second battle of her three battles with cancer. Oh, okay. It just, I couldn't go back. I, I returned to work one time between the first and second battles, but I, I just didn't have it in me anymore. I was like, no, i need 100% of my attention to elizabeth now and and at this point at the second battle i had had a second child too and then the third child came too so it was like yeah there's <laughs> a lot to do with, with a with a critically ill child for one and then to have two little you know baby and toddler <sighs> on around too was a that... little
1: intense, would be the best way to say it <laughs> Yeah, I have some kids of my own. I have five kids of mine. And so I can understand that. Wow. Trying to do working with and being able to caretake a critically ill child and manage the others too and work at the same time, that would be like almost impossible.
0: Right, right. I probably would have been hiring someone, but I really felt called that I was the person she needed most. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a, a special time to have with mm-hmm. her and the other two kids to, to have some dedicated time, just, you know, as a mom at home with them until I shifted to this new career. <laughs> yeah. But now I, I still, you know, I still, uh, enjoy juggling, you know, I guess we all have a you know, work-life balance. Exactly. A, yeah. I enjoy being a mom.
1: I found that being a mom brings the best joys and the hardest times. <laughs> yes, it brings yes. both.
0: <laughs> it does. It does. Yes. It, it, um, it makes you realize that if you think that you're patient, you maybe still need some more work. <laughs> it's like, they just somehow know how to just push a little more to be like, no, 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 don't be getting so proud about that. No, you're not patient enough yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to
0: assist you a little bit more.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like raising your other two and taking care of Elizabeth at the same time? I
0: would say intense, intense. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was difficult. I, was very blessed to have a lot of family support and friend support so Mm -hmm. that also made it work i don't know if i would have been able to make it work you know really they say you know raising children takes a community well raising children especially when you have one so very compromised really takes a community i mean i had friends that would take my preschooler back and forth to preschool for me other friends would, you know, like take the little baby to the park, uh, like mm-hmm. have, you know, like feed them lunch and, you know, just some of the simple things. Or when Elizabeth was really, really sick, they'd take my kids down to the basement and be playing and having a good time when I had to care, you know, really dedicate all my time to Elizabeth.
1: Yeah. What was it like when Elizabeth started getting sicker and heading towards death? Hmm. Uh, well, I guess that's that's two parts.
0: I guess the the when she got sicker, I would say, kind of was that third battle. She was, you know, it was that much worse, and so many fewer options to treat mm-hmm. her at that point. And um, nine months into that third battle was when, unfortunately, the doctors said in the middle of June, twenty twelve there's nothing else for elizabeth she's had everything in the kitchen soup thrown at her and still the tumor's growing there's nothing more and they 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 approximated maybe she'd have only 2 weeks to live and that was that was on a friday and it was one of the worst weekends probably ever maybe the worst one mm-hmm. <laughs> i stayed up the entire weekend you know, 24 seven watching her like a hawk, because I was not about to let her leave this planet without me being aware of it. And I, you know, and thankfully she made it through that weekend, but I, at the end of that weekend, I felt compelled to, um, I'm Catholic. So I, I felt compelled to call the priest and say, well, Elizabeth's only partway through her first Eucharist process. Mm-hmm. There is a way She can, get first Eucharist. And um, he made it happen in our home later that day. It was incredible. And we had such a beautiful collection of same practitioners that volunteered every single day. And like some people, uh, seven days a week, some one or two days a week, but there were probably five different same practitioners giving sessions every single you know, like morning, noon, and night, and also in between, as well as, you know, I was doing things in person, they were doing it from a distance. And with such an amazing group of people doing that for my daughter, we were able to change that two weeks that doctors gave to Elizabeth and and thought she would only last two weeks, turned into another nine months. She stayed with us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yep. So from June, 2012, she lasted all the way to March of 2013. And what a beautiful gift that was because her baby sister now was almost two years old and her, her middle sister was four and a half now. I mean, they were, you know, at those young ages, every extra month matters in their development and their remembrance of their big sister. Mm -hmm. So it was such a blessing in so many ways. I mean, every single extra moment that was given to me, was a gift I I just you know (laughs) you know I I I of course wanted her to be here forever well no one's here forever but um but to 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 transition a two-week possibility to nine months is night and day different
1: yeah it is and that speaks to and that was all of samey all due to samey Yes. And, uh, you know,
0: our, our community prayed for us. I attribute it to lots of things, but, but say may, I would say was the, the big component of that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a you know, um, something that just popped into my head, which was another, like so many, like you, you had said about the helping Elizabeth to walk better was a miracle. I've seen a lot of miracles during this journey of nine years with C. May in my life. One of the really big gifts for me, so many for associated to Elizabeth, but one pops in my head was on Valentine's Day of 2013, about a month before she passed away. Um, she had a bit of blood collecting in her ear. Mm-hmm. So we had an on call nurse that we were able to call. And I called her and I said, Well, what is this? And she said, Oh, well, the capillaries are bursting in Elizabeth's ear due to the pressure from all the tumor, the tumor load was putting Uh so much that there was, um, you know, the capillaries were bursting and that's where the blood was coming. And the nurse said that won't stop until she passes away. And I said, thank you very much. But now I need to call the teacher that, you know, my mentor was saying, and I called her and I said, okay, what are we going to do? And I was able to do things in person and she was able to do things from a distance. And in a 20, 30 minute amount of time, that blood stopped and never came back the rest of her life, that additional month. So opposite to what the traditional medicine, you know, told me. So what a blessing. I don't, I don't want to, oh my gosh, I don't want to see blood coming from my daughter until she passes. No.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one of many, many gifts <laughs> that Same gave me.
1: This is incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can talk your ear off of other things, but.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I know that death and grief can be a very tender subject. And if you're willing, I'd love to hear about this part of the journey when she was dying and the grief that followed. Okay. Um, well, uh,
0: First, I'd like to speak to the fact that, um, I feel like the grief of her potential death started on the first day of her diagnosis Mm -hmm. in 2006, Mm -hmm. she passed away in 2013, but 2006, when we're told she has a brain tumor, (laughs) we know nothing about pediatric cancer. I mean, that's not been ever in our family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, there was a social worker that came to the house only uh, a couple months before Elizabeth passed. And he had been our social worker most of the journey. And I said to him, I said, I feel like I've been grieving her death since the beginning, since the diagnosis. And he said, absolutely. You know, so I have found when I, I've been to grief support groups, Mm -hmm. um, most of them are just cancer, other, other parents that have lost children to cancer. But I, a couple times had been in a group where it was different diagnoses. Um, okay. and, uh, well, diagnoses and causes, let me say mm-hmm. that. And the thing like I found with another set of parents in there, their son had a car accident and died um, sudden, like mm-hmm. immediately at the car accident. And I felt It was such a difference between them and I, because I had a six and a half year journey of possibly losing my daughter, which I wouldn't speak outwardly about, but it, um, another cancer mom and I shared far into the journeys when both our daughters were, you know, getting closer to the end. We both shared to each other. We said, oh my gosh, right at the beginning, we, in our heads, both had planned our daughter's funerals she had a daughter as well and it's Mm -hmm. like how devastating and like I you know it's the first time I've ever saying it on an interview like how horrible that your mind goes there but I guess it's part of the protection mechanism Mm -hmm. that that just in case
1: yeah so yeah the grief the grief started on day one yeah would you say that it was harder like the grief in life was harder than the grief after her passing?
0: That's a complicated question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, just different, I guess I'll call it different. I don't, okay. I wouldn't say one was harder than the other because they both have hard moments. It's, it's kind of, as the journey goes, you know, there are moments there's moments of, of tough times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the way I choose to deal with my grief now in past tense after she's gone is to try to from and I guess everyone grieves differently. But for me, honoring her mm-hmm. helps mm-hmm. Um, doing my work with Samee because it came to me through her illness brings me back to her. And yeah. I do same seven days a week, always. <laughs> so every single day and many moments during the day, I'm doing same and that's because of my daughter's illness and because of her. Mm -hmm. So my work is such a gift to me because I'm always reminded of my daughter. And for me and my grief journey, it works best for me when I can keep Elizabeth alive. And one of those ways I keep her alive is what you're doing for me today, letting me tell some of her story. And that Mm -hmm. helps me tremendously.
1: Yeah. And I want to, I want to point out that everybody's grief journey is different and the grief at our, um, along our journey is different. Just like for you, the grief, when you got the diagnosis was way different than the grief at her death. Mhm. Yes. And our relationship with our grief changes over time. And as we change.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: So how has your grief changed from the time that she died? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would say that the first
0: year I was numb. I was very numb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first year, you don't really know it until the second year. But the first year is a bit of a gift because you could say, oh, this year, last year, blah 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 we were doing this with her Mm -hmm. but once you get to two years out you don't have that recall to the prior year it's now two years back so it's harder because you're further removed from when she was on this planet Mm -hmm. and um but how would I say uh the numbness wears off in the second year at least for me this is my Mm -hmm. journey um and a little bit of the rawness of, of the loss comes out, but here I am eight years out from my loss and it just, it, 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 gets less and less. The, the frequency of how, how the grief comes, stirs back up in me, but I would say that it, it sometimes comes out, you know, pretty strong, pretty strong,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, kind of like day one when they had to put me in a wheelchair because I was rocking back and forth. Sometimes I am really cathartic with the grief. But as I said, like now eight years out, it's, it's, it happens, but it's just less times during the year, let's say, Mm -hmm. but it can, it can just, I'll say strike at any given moment. You just, you don't know when, when that's going to happen. You know, right now she'd be a sophomore in high school i know you know like when she was when she would have been graduating middle school that that bothered me you know like mm-hmm. the the major events of what would have been in her life really are are triggers and there's always you know when it's her birthday or when she left this planet uh you know like those kind of days are you know also kind of bring up the grief a bit but mm-hmm. i I definitely do a lot of self-care when those kind of things are coming up to help guide me through and, and soften it for me. So it isn't so rough.
1: Yeah. What types of self-care exercises do you use? Well, uh, I definitely use my same mm-hmm. um, That
0: would be, I would say my, my go-to, but other things is like uh, taking a nice bath Um, you know, like, you know, where the kids aren't around, like sit and enjoy the bath and, um, taking a walk, being in nature, giving back in general helps too. volunteering Mm -hmm. has helped me along the way. And for me, again, you, you said it everyone's journey is different. But for me, when I get the joy, uh, it brings me joy to be around other families that are going through cancer battles with their children. I had a gift just yesterday. Um, my daughter needed a lot of blood transfusions in her journey. So I still keep up with regular blood donating. And I went yesterday to a blood donation in my community. And I, I didn't realize that it was in honor of someone. And what do you know, but it was an honor of a little five-year-old boy that is battling his brain, uh, not brain tumor, but um, his cancer. And I was there in the morning and I said, oh, I really want to get a hold of the family, you know, see what I could do. I love to offer support talking to them on the phone. If they would like to try the same way I love to, try, you know, offer that. And um, I was lucky enough to talk to the his, his great uncle was there. And he said, come back later. He'll be here. So I went back. And what do you know, I, I got to speak to mom. And when you're a cancer mom, you're so busy. And so many people are usually like all over you, supporting you and helping you, but you don't have a lot of time. Well, somehow, you know, <laughs> um, it was, it was, it, it worked out that we got to speak for like a half hour. And she was so grateful to meet me. And we're gonna keep in touch now. And she's very open and, and wanting to have me support both her children and herself with, with what I do. So I I I can't tell you how, how like my heart just swelled up with love because I was like, oh my gosh, if I could help another child, it helped my daughter so much with the same A that mm-hmm. I, I I just want other other people to know in general. But especially those children that are suffering, that, that have cancer, that have to go through such hard treatments, they have hard lives. The same A can help soften that ride, soften. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a thought just came into me. Uh, one, uh, one of the last spinal taps Elizabeth had gotten in her journey. I had same a, I, I had learned same A for. And she came out of her spinal tap. They put her under anesthetized Mm her um, Mm -hmm. for the procedure. And they wheeled her back into the outpatient room. And I put my hands around her like I do for seaming. And within a few minutes, you know, I was done. And when she woke up, she didn't know she had a spinal tap. And the next day she's walking down the steps and her little sister says, Elizabeth, why do you have a bandaid on your back? She goes, I don't know. It was like, Oh my (laughs) God. You don't even know why you have a band-aid on your back. And and for those that are maybe listening or watching this, a spinal tap is painful. And all the other prior spinal taps, when I didn't have same, a, she suffered with back pain in her lower back from that spinal tap. And it was like, oh my gosh, even just this, like, let me take, you know, and that's what I did. Like I I was able to take little bits and pieces of of stress, anxiety, physical pain, and the same a helped to to get it gone. So it helps smooth out the journey. It really yeah. is wonderful.
1: So what, what else does Say help with? Like for somebody who's completely unfamiliar with Say
0: Yes. Um a for me personally, I put no limitations to same I will work with any and all um, diagnoses, injuries, whether they're young or old, um, you know, my focus is with cancer and that's where the majority of my clients come from are usually adult cancer patients. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I work with children. Uh, thankfully it's much rarer that a child would have cancer. Um, and in this pandemic time, I've been working with a lot of COVID patients. So those, those are the, the biggest, biggest ones. But another very effective thing is, is wound care. And I've seen, I mean, incredible things with wound care. My, my eldest daughter's best friend, the one day, she had come to see her, her friend Elizabeth and uh, she had fallen and she had this chunk out of her knee. It didn't have a scab. It just was like a chunk of skin out of her knee. And um, I, I worked for her knee. And within a half hour, the um, I'm just going to over-exaggerate here in the picture, but that circumference of the chunk out of the knee was shrinking. And the depth of it was, was also sh- uh, becoming uh, more shallow. And I was seeing little droplets that look like water in it. And I was like, wow, this is like so fascinating with my eyes to see this. And I talked to a pediatrician friend of ours afterwards. And I said, you know, can you explain this to me? Like, what was that water? What was this? And she goes, well, first of all, what you're explaining is usually a process that takes seven to nine days that you were doing in a half hour. And she said, and secondly, those little water droplets weren't water. You were actually seeing skin cells reforming in front of your eye. I'm like, whoa,
1: (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, um, I had to mention the wound care because that's really incredible to see, you know, right in front of your eyes, things shifting
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. in powerful ways.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's such a delight and I, I just, I love working with my clients. It's just thrilling to see the changes that happen just from session to session. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, they come back for some more because they've (laughs) gotten some good changes. So it's uh, a wonderful tool to have. And I am so, so, so much happier doing this work rather than my accounting work. Accounting was just not, I didn't pick the right thing when I went to college. (laughs) It did not not inspire me, not even 1%. Uh, Yeah. No offense to the accountants out there, but... (laughs) I picked wrong for me. (laughs) This inspires me, you know,
1: indefinitely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's interesting because when I was going to school, I was going to school as a speech language to become a speech language pathologist. And I was actually dismissed from my master's program. And it was a really traumatic experience for me. But mm. if I hadn't been dismissed from that master's program, I would not be where I am now. And this yeah. is my passion, like Seimei is for you. Yeah. And I think that some of our hardest times are the most instrumental in getting us to be in our highest self.
0: Yes, yes, I, I, I believe that that's, you know, it was a very, very hard road, a hard journey to go on with my daughter, but I believe that I came out a better person from that journey and from Mm -hmm. those struggles.
1: So for other people who are dealing, who are in the thick of dealing with cancer, either with themselves or their loved ones, their children, what advice would you give them?
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, certainly something I learned in the journey with my daughter with cancer was to live in the moment. And I've kept that with me. And I do that for my other two girls. You know, when we have a day off from school, we're going to go find an adventure for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to just snooze away the day because Mm -hmm. this journey really brings to the surface that no one is guaranteed tomorrow. So, live in the moment, live in the day, like live in the now don't have in your head. Oh my gosh, what if, oh my gosh, you know, could this happen? Could that happen? That's only adding to your stress. If you can focus in the present moment and enjoy what is here right now, it's going to be a lot easier.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to end on that. Okay. Because (laughs) that's such a valuable lesson. Whether you're dealing with the deepest struggles or death, to live in the moment and make each moment matter.
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: <laughs> this has been so amazing, Katie. Thank Where you. Where can people find you?
0: Yes. Um, so my website is a good place to start. It's www.samehealing.com. Same a is spelled S like Sam, E like Edward, I like ice cream, M like Mary, E like Edward, I like ice cream, and then the word healing.com. Um, that would be the best way to reach out to me. I have uh, an email that you can, you can do or, or my phone number is there as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Katie, for sharing so vulnerably about your experiences with us. There's so much power in giving our story to others and learning from those around us. And I really appreciate your um, opening up to us and letting us get a glimpse of your journey and your experiences and who you are. Thank you. I really appreciate being here today. This was a wonderful interview. (laughs) And if you enjoyed this, join us next time in our journey of exploring humanity one heart at a time. And I will put a link in the comments on where you can donate to keep the shows like these going in the future. And more of my work can be found on my website, grievingcoach.com, and Jenny Renter Diltz here on Facebook. So have a fantastic day, everyone, <laughs> and enjoy the moments. To learn more about what I do at Grieving Coach, visit my website, grievingcoach.com, and sign up for my email newsletter. I send out tips, publication, and upcoming events regularly. Until next time, remember that all of our experiences make us who we are and that you are known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. Your voice matters, so share your story.